And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic. It's Wednesday evening here in Indianapolis, site of the NFL Scouting Combine. I've been here uh, since Sunday uh, and have been... Obviously, talking about, thinking about, looking into so many things involving the Washington Commanders, including, of course, the NFL Draft, what the Commanders might do with the number two overall pick. And one of the main topics, of course, is what is going on with the player who is considered to be the likely number one pick in the draft, Caleb Williams from USC, a D.C. area native, went to Gonzaga uh, High School, the... um, the wonder is, is he actually going number one? Is he going to number one to the Chicago Bears? Could the pick be traded? Uh, I got into that today with Kaylin Kaler, one of our senior NFL writers, and our, uh, as I said in the story, she does a lot of investigative stories, and she dug into what is Caleb Williams looking for? What is it that he and his family seek? Uh, he doesn't have an agent. Who is calling the shots? Does he, you know... There's been a lot of mystery around this and the fact that ESPN dropped a story, an interview with Caleb Williams soon after uh, the athletic story today, only makes the whole situation a bit more curious. We get into that and including what do we think about the chances are that Washington could land Caleb Williams. So we get into that uh, with Kalen Kaler. In addition, some uh, some news, of course, back home uh FedEx Field won't be called FedEx Field. Uh, the RFK site is now a step closer towards possibly becoming home for uh, a, a new Commander Stadium. And yesterday on Tuesday, Adam Peters and Dan Quinn spoke with reporters, including local media separately. So want to get into all of that here on the Standard Room Only podcast. Uh, thank you so much for subscribing. If you're not uh, already doing so, hit that subscribe button, uh, like button, whatever you got over there. It all helps the cause. Also, make sure to check out my work on The Athletic. I did write about Peters and a little bit of Quinn, what they had to say, uh, my interpretation of what they were uh, thinking, talking about. We'll get into some of that here as well. Um Okay, so let's get to a couple things. Let me just start with sort of the outside news, and then we'll work our way back towards the combine. So I mentioned the FedEx field news. Um, the Washington Post reported this and was a uh, confirmed it later that FedEx is dropping out of its naming rights partnership with the club uh, two years early. The, the deal was supposed to re- end in 2026. They are dropping out early. Uh I think the two things to note here, one, uh, it's the estimation is this will cost the commanders roughly $15 million in revenue over the life of the deal. Uh, obviously, you know, for a franchise that is still working its way back into generating revenue, uh, you know, after all the Snyder years, you know, it's a, that is a notable blow. The team, though, did announce or d- did say in a statement that they are, you know, moving towards Getting a new naming rights partner sounds like they were not necessarily caught off guard that this could happen. If you believe, um, you know, the what their statement is, you know is, is saying, but it is obviously a, a a blow of some sort. I don't even know if it needs to be said. This has nothing to do. I can't imagine it has anything to do with with the Harris Group. This is about just the past twenty something years and FedEx. Um, deciding you know the contract allowed for them to for this to occur they they're getting out uh you know it is what it is i, I can imagine if you're fedex it's not even so much that the the the, the former relationship with dan snyder that would, would, would irk them uh but it's the 
every time somebody would call the stadium a dump, it's FedEx Field is a dump, right? So that can't, that can't help the cause. In any event, they're out. We'll have to all come up with a way to, to, to call what to call this stadium. I was joking with somebody earlier that, uh, you know, they should just go. F- first of all, if they're going to have a new name, it needs to be something known. I, I, I don't like these companies I've never heard of before that suddenly are sponsoring it. You know, ha- have it be a main name. Or if it's a local entity, what about Ben's Chili Bowl? Right? So instead of Ben's Chili, you know, not a stadium, but Ben's Chili Bowl. I don't know. Food for thought. Speaking of stadiums, today up on Capitol Hill, uh, the House Oversight Committee uh, held a vote about a bill that would give control of the RFK stadium site to the D.C. government, uh, and that passed. Now the D.C. government, the, the issue from the jump has been that even if the D.C. government wanted to do something more with the RFK site, the the essentially the zoning of how it was uh, initially uh, classified many, many moons ago wouldn't allow for all of the uh, bells and whistles that they would potentially want to have on that site beyond, you know, for a stadium, but even beyond that. That is now passed. That is now going to be something that they can do. Um, and it will now go on to the U.S. Senate. Now, I, I saw a lot of people saying this was like a surprise or a big deal and all that. I don't think this was a surprise on any level, to be honest, uh, many months ago, right? So once the Republicans took control of the House in 2022, the new chairman of the Oversight Committee, James Comer, Republican congressman from Kentucky, he said he was in favor of this happening. Now, without getting too much into politics, I don't think he gives a crap about where the commanders play, but this was an opportunity to get the... um the stadium site off of the federal government's books. And that goes in line with, you know, Republicans thinking of smaller government. Uh, and it is also a chance to actually you know, do something with the land because uh, it's just been sitting there, obviously, all this time. So I don't think this has remotely been a shock. I mean, maybe it was more however many months ago it was and Comer said what he said, but not now. And I don't think the Senate's got any issue either. The question is going to be the D.C. City Council. What will they do? Uh, there's been opposition there in terms of, you know, being f- willing to put forth the money that would be needed uh, to 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 get this done. Now, of course, the, the, the part of the backdrop here is what's happening with the Wizards and Capitals. Are they moving? Uh, going to get a new stadium in Virginia? Are they going to ultimately uh, is that deal going to fall apart? Are they going to stay in D.C.? How that goes could very well determine what happens with the D.C. City Council. Maybe there's extra push to get a, a commander site done should they think that the Wizards and Caps move or if the Wizards and Caps stay, maybe that decreases the chances of the D.C. government being willing to, to spend. Uh, Mayor Bowser is for this, but as I said, it, we've, uh, f- based on previous comments, not all parties in the D.C. City Council are in favor. So uh, that to me is the next step, but notable nonetheless that RFK is now uh, what happens with that property from the the, the Congress. The U.S. Congress is saying it's now D.C.'s uh, call, and the Senate will vote on that in the coming days. So there is that. Now let's get to what uh, let's get to some stuff from here. Um, Adam Peters and Dan Quinn both spoke on Tuesday. Um, you know, I thought you know Peters. I wrote about this in in terms of things I was looking to. Uh, be interested in watching at the combine and one with peters was how does he handle himself you know this is the first time he's going to be up on that platform talking about this team and you know he he spoke obviously at the, at, at his pre- introductory press conference on dan quinn's but those are pretty easy situations no no you know, you, you kind of know what's coming. You know, it says, hey, congratulations on your new job and give us some broad thoughts on the situation. Would he get in more in depth here? Um, you know, speaking first at a podium to anybody who is credentialed uh, in, you know, as a media member to to stand there and, and look at him and ask him questions. And then later to uh, those of us who cover the team locally. Um, I thought Peters did a fine job. He's got a pretty, you know, casual demeanor constantly smiles I, I, and i don't say that in like a, an off-putting way i just mean he seems like 
he's a pretty positive guy. And I would say the same thing for Dan Quinn as well. My uh, skeptical uh, sensibilities probably do not mesh with them uh, because they seem to be pretty upbeat uh, and positive guys. So um, I, I think they made a good impression in that regard. Obviously, Dan Quinn, we've had a little more um, access to. Uh, but, uh, you know, good uh, good, good vibes from them, I would say, if you're a fan, in that regard. Now, as to what was actually said, I don't think that Adam Peters said very much at all. He did make um, one comment that has, uh, I gather, made the rounds back home, and I understand why. It was a question with regards to, it was the very first question, frankly, he was asked, at the podium. It was about uh, Brock Purdy, the San Francisco 49ers, getting uh, the quarterback with the final pick in the 2022 draft. So Peters was uh, was asked about Brock Purdy. Uh, again, these are not people necessarily just asking about Washington. They're asking about whatever, whatever they want, uh, essentially. But for the most part, they stick to something that's pertinent. In this case, it must have been a 49ers person asked about Brock Brock Purdy and and Peters went through some of the basics about what they, what stood out to him being composed. They liked his tape, things like that. Uh, but he said, um, well, and and you know that they they did a good job scouting him and all that. He said uh, we really quote we really thought he could f- really fit in well with our scheme, and if we thought he was that good, we probably wouldn't have waited until the last pick. But yeah, we liked him that much, and now I gotta find a new quarterback. End quote. Um, obviously, to stand out, to, to, to state that, we are all talking about them drafting a quarterback at number two, but if you take it at face value, it is saying that Sam Howe isn't necessarily going to be the quarterback, that he's got to go find one. Now, a generous interpretation would be, well, he has to find one, but maybe it is Sam Howe, or maybe it is a quarterback somewhere who isn't um, Caleb Williams, Drake May, or Jaden Daniels. Uh, or maybe it's a veteran. It doesn't say he's got to find a quarterback in this draft. He, it says he has to find a quarterback. That said, I think we're all taking it, or I think should probably take it as talking about who they would draft at number two. Um, you know, he later, Peters later talked about how this class is good if you're looking for a quarterback. And then he said, but not, I'm not saying that we are. I, I don't see them uh, putting Sam Howell in position to be the starter. I, I will get to some Dan Quinn thoughts on Sam Howe in a moment. But nonetheless, that, that, that generated a lot of attention, obviously. Quote, I got to find a new quarterback, end quote. Um, again, not surprising, but it's it's he, he, has, he has said, been pretty vague with his comments. He was here in, in Indy as well. So that was one where he did sort of speak up uh, and say something that was, uh, you know, giving a little, a little indication, at least, of their uh, plans. With regards to Dan Quinn, I want to play a little bit of audio for you guys. Now, again, similar deal. In terms of the draft, we really didn't get a ton out of him either. But what I but 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 Quinn seemed to be a little bit more open. He, he's kind of, he's got a lot of pep in his step. He, he, he's a talker. He likes talking. That's obviously, he gave um, some lengthy answers. But... You know, I, I, he, he, both he and Peters had discussed that they had, prior to the combine, had lengthy meetings with their staff with de- with a lot of details about what it is that they're looking for. They're starting to implement or starting to shape how it is they want their staff to look at players, uh, whether they're looking at free agents on tape or college players at the combine or whatever it is. They're, they're looking, try to get some specifics as to what it is that they're looking for. But he also said that they he's been diving in a lot to Washington's roster, including the free agents. So I wanted to ask him about some guys specifically because it, it's everything is so vague and it, it, it's complicated. Like we can't you know we can't blame him right for how Washington's defense struggled last year or or really any player, good or bad. You know he had nothing to do with it, and you know they are somewhat hesitant to, you know, criticize anybody, which we understand, you know, understand sort of as you would at, at any company. So I asked a couple specific about a couple specific players. One of them was Jamin Davis. And 
Uh, well, actually, it was really about the pass rushers, but it led into Jamin Davis. So I want to play that. And then on top of that, he was asked about ha- had he met with Sam Howell. So here's that Dan Quinn talking about Jamin Davis and then Sam Howell. I, I don't think it's a uh, surprise to say that you guys need some more help at, with pass rushers after the, some of the trades that were made here last year. Yep. Um, but when you're now looking at the roster, do some of the younger guys stand out or even like Jamin Davis stand out to you in any way in that regard? Yeah, I think that's one of the things I wanted to find out. And when I looked at the roster, I wanted to find every single thing that they could happen. So I went through the last few years of every blitz he had, talking about Jamin specifically and where do I see bursts, where do I see traits. And so all I can do is evaluate on that. And then then you find ways to train them and feature them into that space. Sometimes when you're a linebacker, it's hard to find how to do the drill work as a D lineman to work games to do that. And so finding that right balance. So I have not had that discussion with him yet about what you know that looked like. Um, I just wanted to see traits of blitzing and being aggressive and going forward. And uh, I'm looking for anything you know that would show those kind of pass rush traits um, all along the roster, um, outside, inside, the whole thing. So um, yeah, I've been digging into that hard. Coach, have you had a chance to speak to Sam Howell or meet with him yet? Yes. Yeah, I got a chance to uh, visit with him. Um, we bumped into, you know, I don't get a chance to visit with them, but just checking in on non-football related stuff. But what I did want him to know is like, man, going against him, he is one hell of a competitor. And uh, tried to hit him, tried to knock him off, and uh, to really, you know, put pressure on him. And that was one thing that I really admired about him, even, you know, coming up from North Carolina, you know, and through his two years here. Because I actually played, I think, in a game against Dallas the season prior. And uh, so just and then preparing for him and playing against him and, and some of the guys, I just want to make sure I had a chance to talk to him about that. He's you know, certainly a tough competitor. All right. So what stood out to me about the Davis thing, and, you know, this is a little bit of me trying to read the tea leaves as much as anything. I, it's not what he said exactly. But I asked about pass rushers, and I did mention Jamin Davis. And he seemed to discuss, you know, he, he was just looking at it like what are – what does he see on tape about Jamin Davis being moved, you know, moving forward, going, you know, going in after the quarterback? I wondered, of course, the whole the whole time he was here under the previous coaching staff, why isn't Jamin Davis being used more as a pass rusher? Now, part of it was, of course, when you're in the four three, that's not, you know, typically the the role of the linebacker. And with Montez Sweat and Chase Young, they were using that, you know, those guys were the pass rushers off off the edge. And then, of course, you still had James Smith-Williams and Casey Tuhill and so on. Part of me wonders, well, Quinn also talked about uh, earlier uh, in the day about, you know, with Micah Parsons in Dallas, who was a linebacker, of course, in the same draft as Jamin Davis, who they ended up moving more to a def- to a defensive end position, but really just kind of moved him around um, the formation. Part of me wonders... Because we know that Washington needs defensive ends, right? Is there a world where Jamin Davis is moved into a pass rusher? Purely. You know, he it's not like he's strong in coverage. He's got so many athletic tools. Now, maybe it's not something he can do. Maybe it's only something he can do on occasion. But when you look at where they're at right now, you know, if the season started today, the only two defensive ends they essentially have are K.J. Henry and Andre Jones. I don't think anybody is ready to say that they're the starters. And, you know, defensive ends are going to cost a lot of money if you want one in free agency. This draft, and we'll talk about that later this week. Actually, I guess we have talked about it a little bit earlier in the week with Danny Kelly from The Ringer uh, about this. Uh, This is not going to be a a deep draft at all with defensive ends. By the time they get to the 36 pick in the second round, the, the... the ends that would be probably in that range may all be gone. Maybe a Chop Robinson from Penn State is there. Um, you know, maybe there's, a, maybe there's somebody else, but they, they all could very well be gone. And so what I'm saying is, if Washington doesn't spend big in free agency on this, which, you know, that could be the one position they would spend on, but guys like Brian Burns from Carolina are probably going to be tagged, if not signed to an extension. So, you know, one scenario I do wonder about, could you move Jamie Davis to defensive end? Just a thought. We'll see where this goes. Um, they would, Of course, they still need to get linebackers anyway, but I this just my wondering out loud a little bit. Um, as for Sam Howell, um, you know, look, I, I, think, I think there's something here 
with with regard to a Sam Howell conversation. I don't think there, he is in likely at all to be the starting quarterback for this team. But I do think that from talking to people around here that there is some trade value for him. And to be clear, I don't mean a six-round pick. I had one executive with a team tell me that they would, you know, they could see using a third-round pick on how. You know, at the end of the day, despite losing the last eight games and despite Sam Howe's struggles really becoming prominent as the year went on, I think it's fair to say he still exceeded expectations. Now, you might be saying, Ben, he led the league in interceptions. I, I do understand that. But so much went into, you know, all that went wrong with this team this year, including, you know, the uh, getting pressured constantly, you know, getting sacked 65 times, Eric Bannemi having him throw constantly, especially in the first half of the year, the defense struggling. So Hal kind of had to throw a lot at, in some games. Um, but he did have a lot of good stuff as well. He's got a big arm. The toughness is is obviously there in spades. He didn't miss time because of injury. Um, he, uh, you know, th- there's a lot to like. Also, he's only he's got two years left in his contract. He's what 23 years old. There's still a lot to get to 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 find out of him. Now, I don't necessarily mean as a starter, but maybe as that sort of spot starter or a backup who's you know can play, but also maybe can develop. Uh, you know, could a team like the Rams with Matthew Stafford, who's often in, uh, injured, you know, could could a team like that be interested? We'll see. But the point is, I think there is a market for Sam Howell. And if you made me say right now, this is my opinion. This is not somebody telling me Sam Howell's on the market or anything. But I, I think that Sam Howell is more likely to get traded than he is to be considered a week one starter option. Um, you know, if, if he stays and they draft a quarterback, I think... We heard last year they wanted a veteran quarterback to pair with Sam Howe, who was basically a rookie. What is Sam Howe going to do for this team with with a rookie? You know, could you start Sam Howe? You've heard me say I would prefer to have my uh, rookie quarterback sit for a year or, or, or most of the year and watch if possible. But what are you doing? Are you going with Sam Howe then as a starter? I don't know if that's the move I'm making. I mean, it would be more like a Jacoby Brissett type. So. I think the Sam Howell, Sam Howell trade conversation is interesting. I think there's logically something to it. I think it's conceivable they could get a third or a fourth round pick for him. And if that's an opportunity, I think that's something that I would do. If Again, assuming that they like one of these quarterbacks at two and they you know, think they can get a veteran somewhere here along the way. So I do think it's an interesting discussion. I know it was, again, one that was being had back in D.C. It's something I've been uh, thinking about. For a bit, and um, I think it makes sense. So uh, we will see if Washington agrees. Uh, I'm not saying you have to trade Sam Howe at all. I am just saying you look at the whole picture, and it does kind of make sense to explore that and see what you can get. Um, lastly, Cam Curl. Um, you know, look, we, we had Randy Mueller, former NFL GM, on the podcast uh the other day, he was discussing his top 150 free agents, and Cam Curl did not make that list. Uh, surprising to me, for sure. Um, and you can go back and listen to Randy's explanation as to why. Uh, and the thing is, though, I always have wondered, like, how are we do we overvalue him to a degree? Because there wasn't much else here to be excited about. He was a seventh-round pick in 2020 who had three interceptions that first year. But then he didn't have any the next three years, and he had... It basically just generated no turnovers. So as solid of a player as he was, doesn't, you know, has not shown a ton of playmaking skills. I talked to a, uh, a scout with a with a team, and he told me that um, he had looked a pro scout, and he had looked at Cam Curl's tape, and what you know was hopeful um, to, to to find something that you know his team could use. And he kind of just said, eh, you know, it just it wasn't there for me. So. Um, what does that mean? Well, okay, again, there's no franchise tag here being used. A franchise tag would have been over $17 million. The tag is not getting used at all, Adam Peters said, which, again, not surprising. Cam Curl would have been the only one that we could even have a discussion. And, like I said, I don't know that there was really much of a discussion to be had. But Peter said he did speak with Curl's reps here in Indy and that, you know, they'll continue to talk. I wonder, of course... 
does it make sense for Washington? What I don't know what Cam Curl's market is there for, but you know, will it will it make sense for them to spend, you know, some decent money for him? Um, I think that Dan Quinn, his use of three safeties with Dallas, similar to how Ron Rivera was using three safeties here at times, could put you know Curl back in play. You still have Quan Martin, Derek Forrest coming off of his injury injury plague season. Perhaps they resign Jeremy Reeves. I think that's probably likely, if I had to guess. Um, and uh, you know, not not that Curl wouldn't be helpful, but you know, they as we know, they have so many other needs. Um, Dan Quinn said some good things about Quan Martin that I'll get to later um, in a subsequent podcast or on the website. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say Curl's not going to be back. I'm not going to say he will be back. Um, I, I just, you know. It all takes is one team out there to give him a, a banger of an offer and he's gone. I, I just I haven't gotten the sense that it was like some urgency to to keep him. And I will say that Dan Quinn said he really respected Curl's uh, sort of go forward attitude out there on the field, uh, you know, an aggressive player. So um, I, I think there's something there's something to this. Uh, I think, I mean, I think there's something to the point of you know, the Cam Curl may not very well uh, be here, but so much will depend on how they budget what they want to spend on outside free agents, their own free agents. And of course, those people have other options as well. But I, um, you know, not a surprise that Cam Curl is not getting the tag. And at this point, it won't stun me if he isn't back uh, for the, some of the reasons that I just mentioned. Um, all right, we've, we'll have more to discuss here on the podcast, but I want to get to my conversation with Kaylin. She's got a lot of uh, energy. She dug in deep into uh, what is going on in Caleb Williams' camp and what could this mean for the commanders. So let's do that right now here on the Standard Room Only podcast. All right, as promised, joining me here. What is your official title? Senior, senior writer, NFL writer. senior NFL writer. But I, I, I view you as like our investigative NFL writer. Yeah. Kaylin Kaler. Uh, you are, you you are. First of all, thanks for doing this. Of course, thanks, Ben. Uh, you are. When you write stuff, and I'm not just saying this because you're here. I was like, okay, what's the angle? You you take you find interesting angles. You wrote the nepotism story a couple years ago for the defector about all that and nepotism in the NFL. You were the first one, I think, to write about the the the, the push tush, the push tush push, push yeah, yeah, all that stuff that, that became obviously a big topic. So when I saw you were diving into Caleb Williams, I was like, okay, this is not just going to be standard uh, Caleb Williams stuff. Um, you are based in Chicago as well, so I know there had to be some extra interest. So just on a broad level, what, why this one? There's a number one pick every year. Why did you think Caleb Williams is somebody you wanted to dive into? Yeah, honestly, normally I'm really bored by the number one pick. Like, I don't think I've ever written about a number one pick. I'm trying to think if I've ever, like, done this much reporting on a number one pick during my span, and I don't think I have. Normally I'm just kind of like, all right, it's inevitable. It's, you know, Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars. Right. It's... Um, I mean, even, I guess Baker to Cleveland wasn't inevitable, but like, you know, he's a, and Baker's an interesting guy as well in different ways, but I don't know. Usually I'm just kind of like, it's a quarterback who doesn't have much of a personality. It's not that interesting. Incredibly covered. It's not like it it, it is, it is a, you're screaming into the void if you're trying to get attention. But this one felt different for a couple of reasons. One, um, I had been following, um, not really like Caleb's career, but I had been following over the summer. There was a report that Pro Football Talk put out um, that, well, actually, it starts with Sports Business Journal. Sports Business Journal put out a report that the NFL owners had voted randomly in July to not to prohibit any team from allowing someone to have equity in their team that was not a non-family member. So they're basically saying it, it was inspired by players wanting equity, such as Aaron Rodgers, and then. So after they voted, Pro Football Talk then put out a report that said Aaron Rodgers had been seeking equity and a representative of Caleb Williams had been seeking equity, obviously not from teams because he's not he wasn't in the NFL. He still had a college season. But his a representative of him was bringing this up in conversations with agents that they were basically interviewing because obviously they're trying to figure out do they want to sign with an agent or not and what can they do for them. So I read that at the time and I was like, that's really interesting because this is a player who was still in college football and he's already um you could and we don't know directly if like that ownership vote 
was inspired by Aaron or Caleb or both, or even like maybe a mix of Tom Brady in there from like Tom Brady and the Raiders and Tom Brady and Miami tampering right. going on. So like there could be several influences there, but like it's fair to say that like Caleb was probably part of the influence. So then I was like, huh, file it away for later. And I had a source who um, is was, you know, directly briefed on this, tell me that a few months later that fall, that there had actually been owners who had gone to the NFLPA and who had complained about quarterback salaries basically being too too high. They want to put a cap on quarterback salaries. Not every owner. There's just a faction of them that are kind of building this movement. And conversely, there's another faction of the newer owners who want to explore creative ways to pay players. They're like, okay, if there's going to be a cap, can we do something creative? Like, And that's where equity comes in, right? right. That's where other forms of payment, um, you know, ownership in the owner's other business, just just a hypothetical. So there's another ownership group that is like exploring that. And so that was really interesting to me because this person was like linking it to Caleb and saying like, keep an eye on this. Like, this is going to be something to watch. So I was already kind of thinking of Caleb as like a really, a like a mover and shaker for yeah. like lack of a better term. And so that was why I wanted to write about him because I was interested in like the power that he has, the power that the team around him has. He he decided not to sign with an agent, which I also thought was really interesting. And so then I start learning about his dad because then I start talking to people who um, are around him or you know in the business who've interviewed him or um, gone to USC or whatever. Like people just around this, right? right? And they two people confirmed to me that yeah the equity conversation happened and the person who brought it up was his dad Carl so then when I found out it was his dad I was like oh that's really interesting because we're all familiar with the quarterback dad phenomenon there's so many of them and it just means you know of an involved parent right and you could be a quarterback mom too there's quarterback moms right and left and you see it with the quarterback position because obviously that's the position that is the money-making position it's the most successful position in the NFL they're, they're the leaders of the team um, so it's become this thing with that position. And so I was like, okay, this seems like just another quarterback dad. But as I mentioned earlier, like Caleb is different because he is the first NIL megastar to ever come to the NFL. People I talked to estimated, you know, we're not going to have exact numbers here, but they estimated that he's made somewhere around $10 million from endorsements. Right. Most of that money did not come from the USC's collective. It's coming from... Dr. Pepper, it's coming from Wendy's, it's coming from Nissan, big brands that he's partnered with. I kind of want to go to that Heisman house, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we, we've never seen a quarterback with that type of brand and celebrity enter the NFL. And it almost makes him not need it as much as your previous players have. Now, at some point, yes, he needs to play in the NFL. There's nothing, there's nowhere else for him to play, right? right. He's got to play in the NFL. But on what terms, right? So that's what I really became interested in because he comes out into this league so different than any other player, and he's got a dad who is who really functions. I mean, obviously he's his dad. He loves him. He supports him. He's been instrumental in his growth and his career since Caleb decided he wanted to be a the best quarterback ever when he was 10 years old. Has supported him every step of the way. Um, but but he's also planned it. He's planned everything. Everything has been planned, and and he's publicly in September he told GQ. He went on a whole, um, you know, the draft system is unfair um, thing to GQ, which is he had great points. You know, he's like, why is, why is my, why is the best player going to the worst team? So, and just to like, uh, and great stuff there. So just like to your point. So he comes. Caleb Williams is a high school phenomenon. Yeah. He's obviously grew up DC area, Gonzaga. Uh, all, all, all that. And it comes at a time, like you said, NIL is now starting to become a real thing. These guys can make money. We're seeing it with him, Caitlin Clark, uh, yeah. a, a bunch of others. So that's all fascinating. He goes to USC, obviously one of the premier programs. Uh, and the, well, I guess he first goes to Oklahoma, yeah. follows Lincoln Riley, even still one of the premier programs. Right. Then he gets to LA and it, it really goes to another level. Off. He wins the Heisman yep. and all that. Um, and it is interesting, like the idea of the draft being bullshit. Yeah. As a person who likes doing mock drafts, I'm like, no, no, don't ruin the draft. But yeah. on the other hand, in terms of just regular life, I mean, I always think, imagine, I'm here in D.C. covering the Commanders because I'm from this area. Right. Imagine if the Athletics said, you're doing a draft and you're going to go cover Minnesota. Yeah. Like, wait, what? I right. want, I don't want to live in Minnesota. No say. Right. The, the thing is, the player has no say, obviously, and, like, that's true of any sports league's draft. But with other sports leagues, it's not the same 
way, it's not handled the same way as the NFL, where if you're the worst team, you get the first pick. Now, in this scenario, the worst team does not have the first pick because they traded that pick. Chicago owns that pick. But there's very real questions. Um, you know, I, I spoke to someone very familiar with the dad's thinking, and, and they said, you know, his his reservation he has real reservations about Chicago. Now, Caleb has since, today, a couple hours after my story went up, which he did not speak to me, um, which, again, that's his prerogative. Like, I don't have a prior relationship with him. Um, I'm coming at this cold, right? Like, I tried to talk to everyone I knew around him and really had trouble breaking into his circle. Like, no, And that's the other thing that's really interesting about this is, like, no one will speak about him on the record. And when I was working on this story, he also hadn't spoke. He hadn't said anything. And, you know, there was a Colin Cowherd report that he and his people, I think is how Colin phrased it, him and his people... Caleb and his people did not want to play in Chicago. Then the next day, Cowherd goes back on air and says, oh, actually, like, someone from Caleb's camp called me and they said, no, Colin, we don't want to be anti-Chicago. We don't want to be anti-Bear. You know, it's a passionate fan base. We love that about it. And basically, he kind of walked back his original report. So there's all this, like, smoke and noise around, could he pull an Eli Manning? Is that something that might happen here where he wants to force his way maybe to his hometown team? the commanders who have new ownership that have a lot of money in different businesses and cliff kingsbury is there yeah which helps who cliff had coached him at usc last year so there was a lot of talk about that going on and so caleb wouldn't speak to me for the story but he did talk to espn pete thamel who has a great relationship with him from being a college football reporter so like a couple hours after my story posted this morning I think it lived for like two hours before it had been replaced by the next Caleb Williams headline. Um, Pete had an interview with Caleb where he said very clearly, I would play for the Chicago Bears. I'd be excited to play for the Chicago Bears. He'd also said he'd be excited to play for whoever they trade the pick to. And then he said, I don't have an agenda. We're not pushing any agenda in response to, you know, would you pull any line Manning? Are you trying to maneuver the draft in any way? And he said, he shut that down. Now, that's great to hear that from him because there was a lot of questioning about that and that was like you know one of the themes of my piece was scouts are wondering who's in charge here is it carl or is it caleb so this is the thing right with with not having an agent lamar jackson obviously just went through this and look it's not that you have to have an agent to negotiate an nfl contract as a rookie it's pretty boilerplate kind of stuff so the question is what what else are you trying to have that agent do for you? And one of the things is communication. Yeah. And when, like for Lamar Jackson, to this minute, nobody really knows mm-hmm. a lot about him. A guy who won the MVP twice. Mm-hmm. So when you, and they're kind of going down the same path to some degree, maybe not the exact same situation, right. but parent led, not a lot of information out there. Right. Now, at least he did, as you said, talk about it today. Now, based on that, they're like, when you read what he said today, yeah. had it based on what you had heard, did you take it as this sounds like an honest view or did it sound like I'm going to have to trying to get some spin out here to take some negative publicity off me? I believe it for a couple of reasons. One, I had a source close to USC tell me, hold on, I'm going to find the quote. He said, um, I, cause the question is, does Carl speak for Caleb or what does Caleb want? And, um, he basically said, I'm still looking for it. One second. Look, you're doing what a lot of people are doing. They're reading your article on The Athletic today because it is a very interesting article about the guy who... There's not... It feels like this draft is kind of boring, uh, except for this guy. So, uh... Wait, why can't I find it? Why can't you find it? Okay, I can't find the exact one in here, but he said to me basically that Caleb speaks for Caleb and no one else speaks for Caleb. So if you don't hear it from Caleb, don't put any weight into it. And so now that we've heard it from Caleb, I would say we can put weight into that. Um, the other reason is I know from speaking to people around him that they are very, they, they take a long time to make decisions. Even his, like his draft declaration, they waited till the last day. Um, everything is very thought out for him. So I think there, that's, that was conscious for him to go on the record and say that, the way he said it. And then I also think they're very image-focused. Image sure. They know he's a brand. They know he's extremely marketable. And if he goes to Chicago, that's a huge market, right? I don't think they want to... Um, 
Eli Manning when he did this and John Elway when he did this were both heavily criticized in the moment. Obviously, both of them recovered and they're fine now. But I think they are very conscious of the fact that like you will um, incur a lot of negative publicity if you pull a power play. There's risk to that for your image, um, for your publicity. So I think they're very conscious of that. And so for that reason, I, I, I don't expect them to do that. And I believe what Caleb says here because I think that they're very hesitant to do that. So what's what was if if there was some hesitancy about Chicago, the big city, yeah, all that. They also haven't developed a quarterback in 800 years. It, well, what's the right. reason? Well, why why would he have been objecting to it other than just like you know they haven't been the best team? Um, I think there's a lot of reasons to question Chicago. One, coaching. I think everyone doesn't understand why they didn't just sweep the coaching staff last year. Right. I mean they did replace the offensive staff but Matt Eberflus could be a lame duck guy and exactly. then all of a sudden he's starting over I think a lot of people would say that they're probably having a new coaching staff a year from now um also the ownership has a reputation of being conservative um they are one of the founding franchises they don't have other businesses this is their business so if you're looking at it from the perspective of other forms of payment which right now i will be very clear that's not allowed within the cba but the nflpa executive director is having conversations with owners about equity about players getting a stake in the league instead of individual clubs so like these things could change at some point it's not gonna be tomorrow it's not gonna be next year it's gonna take a while it's gonna take a lot of conversations but like those conversations are now happening to a certain degree which is really interesting so if you look at the ownership and your ranking owners based off of like their wealth um the McCaskies would not be up there in that. Um, and also, yeah, I mean, I think I think the history at quarterback is deeply troubling. Deeply. Because it's just, I mean, yeah. it it's, doesn't make any sense. Well, and the thing is, like, coaches change, GMs change, yeah. but the ownership stays. And my basic belief in life is any organization, whatever, sports or otherwise, yeah. everything starts at the top. And if it's a historic trend of going a certain way, right. why, it is hard to see why things are going to change if the same people in charge are still in charge. Exactly. And I think, too, so I asked Ryan Poles yesterday, I said, do you have any concern that Caleb doesn't want to play for you? Because he hadn't been asked that yet. So I was like, I'm just going to ask it directly. Let's see what he says. I thought he would just say no. And he goes, no, not at all. And if he did, I would wonder why, because I think we have really created a great infrastructure for a rookie quarterback. And he's like, he came from Kansas City. He was there when they drafted Pat Pat Mahomes. So he's seen, that was like the perfect infrastructure you could have for a rookie quarterback. And I don't think Chicago has really any of those things, um, except a budding defense that helps. That really helps to have a strong defense for a rookie quarterback. You can say they absolutely have that. Like, their defense made huge strides last season. They're positioned well. Um, they've got DJ Moore. That helps. Um, they're probably going to get another receiver. If they, you know, right, they the number the ninth nine, pick, ninth yeah. pick. If they go with Caleb, they could probably get Rome Odunze with nine. That would be, that would be great, right? So you do have talent and you have a ton of cap space. So there's a, a lot of potential. I just think like. I don't know that the coaching infrastructure is there and it is a really tough like I don't want to make too much of the media market but it is a tough place to go and to succeed and we've seen quarterbacks like Mitch Trubisky really struggled with the criticism that was like a big impact on him and so you do have to be prepared for that and you have to know how to handle that and so I think that's part of the equation too alright so that's that's the Chicago end of this if a trade did come to pass for whatever the reason. Either the Bears are like, eh, you know, maybe we're not as in love, or he really does. There, There is more push from his side about possibly not playing there. Washington sits there at two, again, his hometown team. And from the Bears' perspective, look, you're only moving down one pick. Whatever Washington would give up, at least probably a future first, this year's second, what have you. You're only going down one spot. You can still get Drake May or Jaden Daniels if that's what you want to do. So that would seem like an obvious fit. But how much do you get the sense for Caleb Williams that it is, all things being equal, he wouldn't mind playing back home? I mean, I think the next most likely team, obviously, is the Commanders. And um, I asked Adam Peters yesterday like what he had learned from Cliff about, about Caleb. And he was like, nothing. We haven't <laughs> talked about it. I was like, come he, he, on. When 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 uh, Dan Quinn's introductory uh, Quinn's introductory press conference, I asked, how much have you guys discussed 
quarterback and how much is Cliff Kingsbury kind of factor into whatever it is. And again, not asking like, yeah. did you pick your guy? Just logically, you've talked about it. Right. And Adam was like, yeah, we haven't even gotten there. And, and I wrote subsequently like, okay, obviously that's not true. Right, <laughs> right. So like, there's no information to be had. And like, Chicago said yesterday, Paul said yesterday that there had been people checking in. He didn't say which teams, but they had checked in about is the pick up for, like, is this real? Like, what would you want? And they weren't serious conversations. And he didn't say how much it would go for, but he said previously it would have to be a historic haul. So I think, I still think there is a world where there is a trade that happens. And I and I think all these things can be true where, like, like Kayla can say, I'm excited to play in Chicago. I would like to play in Chicago. I'd also play anywhere they traded to. Like, I don't think if, if you had to have them rank teams, I'm, I don't think Chicago would be at the top of the Williams' destination list, right. obviously. Um, you know, Kansas City would probably be number one and then Miami, but those are, like, not likely destinations. But, like, so I think there's, I think the reality is there's places that they would rather play, but they aren't going to raise the stink if it's Chicago. But also, there's... There's, there, there is hidden within that, like, this is just totally hypothetical. I don't know, this is not based off of reporting. This is just like, what if this happened? You know, you could, I mean, Eli Eli and Elway had to be pretty loud about their intentions to not play for the teams that held the first pick that right. year to force a trade. I, Elway said he'd rather play baseball. Eli said he would, I think there was a quote, like, he'd rather do, like, some other random non-football job, like, than play for the Chargers. So, you can do, if you didn't do that... And you said quietly, you know, hypothetically to the Bears, hey, we don't, we're not into this. It's going to be difficult for you. And the Bears want to save face because that's kind of like public humiliation, right? If you want to avoid that, you could do that. And you could keep it quiet if you really wanted to. I think I think there's a world that you could do that. And you could say, hey, we love Justin Fields. We decided, or, or we love Drake May, whoever the... And, and they could, I mean, think of, like, what they could get to just move back one pick, and you could still get a quarterback, and then you've got all these this extra value. Right. So I think there's this world that this could quietly be going on, we don't find out, and everyone's happy. I don't know. I think that could be something that happens, and I don't think it will, but it could. And I think all of these things that have now been publicly said could, like, still be true. Um. La- lastly, for you, and I appreciate the time because yeah. you did a lot of work on this. I'll ask Dane Brugler or whomever about Caleb, the quarterback, and whether yeah. he's worthy of all of this attention. He's be- is he that much better than Drake May and so on? But as best you can, having dug into him, having tried to learn who who he is, from that perspective, is he worth the investment if you're a team, or is there too much? concern about these various topics that even though we're getting maybe some clarification from him I don't know he yeah. could still perhaps be a challenge and maybe even like playing in his hometown that that has its own difficulty so how much do you buy into that he's worth the investment as a person and maybe as a brand I think he's worth it um, especially if you're I mean if you're one or two if you're Washington or Chicago right now I mean I think he's worth it because both of those teams desperately need... I mean, Adam Peters waxed poetic about Sam Howell yesterday, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> come on. Um, both of those teams need a franchise... They need a franchise quarterback. And for Chicago, it's like, are you going to trade the pick Are you gonna trade the pick again a second year? And you're a team that's never picked the right quarterback? Like, and let's and be you clear, last year... Stroud? Right, last year, yeah. Yeah, so to answer your question... Um, you know, I completely lost my train of thought. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, basically, it just comes down to yeah. for all the he's got this talent, but it, talent alone, I you think know, he's worth it. Yeah. I think he's worth it, and I think you have to just be prepared. Like you know, now he doesn't have an agent. We know that. We now know his dad is a business manager, and he's very involved, and he has big goals. We know that. Um, I heard that Caleb speaks for himself, so maybe you don't have to worry about the dad as much as maybe you would if you thought he was actually running the show. I'm still not clear on like how much the dad really is running the show or not. Um, so I just think you have to know these things, and this is what scouts say all the time, like we're collecting information. But I think Caleb, the player, is worth it. And I, what the sense that I got from scouts was that they're not worried about Caleb on the field. 
they're not worried. They don't think the drama around him off the field affects him on the field. And that's good. That's exactly what you want. And so I think as long as that remains true, as long as that's the opinion that um, evaluators have, he's worth, then I think he's worth it. And I just think you got to be a well set up organization. And that's why I think people have doubts about Chicago. Yeah. Just because they've shown us historically, recent history, to be a not very well set up organization. So that's where I think I that's where I think I I'll leave it. Right. All right. So my mock draft, I'm still putting Caleb Williams number one until further notice, yeah. and then we'll go from there. Yeah. All right. Well, there's still a lot more details. Go read Kalen's story on The Athletic. You got anything else uh, people need to n- know about? Or you, we can't reveal because your stuff I is... I we, we don't want somebody else, like, jumping in with no, the story I right now. I mean, Caleb will talk on Friday. That will be interesting. Um, Drake May, I think, also will talk Friday, right? Yeah. All, all the quarterbacks yeah. are going at some point on Friday. So that will be interesting to hear from those guys because by then they'll have done a lot of their interviews. I'm, I would love to know what like he's getting asked, you know, if he's getting asked anything differently than, you know, anyone else. So um, that'll be interesting to hear them talk on Friday. But uh, we still got two more days before then. Yes, <laughs> Long week. I'm here till then, and it, I can't believe we still have a ways yeah. to go. I can't. I really appreciate it. Uh, Thanks, good luck. Ben. Good luck with the article. Thank you. All right. Big thanks to Kaylin Kaler for her time. Thanks to everyone here for checking out the podcast. Uh, more to come out of the combine. Uh, it has been an interesting week, a long week. Uh, quarterbacks talk Friday. Uh, you know, wish us all luck doing <laughs> covering this. I mean, it's fun to do. It's just long days. That's all I'm saying. Um, but that is it for now. No complaints out of me. Um, ben Standing signing off. Until next time. See ya. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.